This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. We are shifting to what we cannot believe is our last guest. These hours have flown by. Don Hines is the co-founder and managing partner of A Ventura Investment. She joins us here on Dollars and Change on Sirius XM Business Radio, live from Lincoln Center at Wharton's Global Forum here in New York. Dawn, thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having and me. And being I'm back with us. We've yeah. talked talked yeah. with you in the past. Um, a Ventura Investments was founded in 2010 with the goal of establishing, investing, in, and supporting companies that provide value chain services to smallholder farmers. So this is, you know, one of those parts of an ecosystem that might not be obvious to all of our listeners when you really think about that value chain. Don, talk to us a little bit about why there was a need for this work. Mm-hmm. I think people look at poverty in Africa and um, there's there's urban poverty, there's rural poverty. 60% of the, of the citizens of Africa are living in rural areas and almost all of them are somehow involved in the agricultural sector. Um, what we saw is that the farmers, all of these people farming, are remaining in poverty, not because they don't know how to farm, not because they don't have um, seed. They don't have proper value chain services that all of the small farmers in the developed countries have. If you're farming in the U.S. or in the Netherlands, you have an off-taker. You have a, a contract uh, harvester who comes and has special machinery to harvest your field. Um, you have an aggregator who aggregates and distributes um all of, all of these services don't exist in many of the uh, African countries. Um, when large f- industrial farms come in, they bring their own cha- value chain with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but very few, uh, very few companies have chosen to serve the smallholder farmers uh, in Africa. Uh, we saw this need and we thought, this is the crux of the problem of rural poverty in Africa. Those value chain services are just not in place. And the farmers can only do so much. Um, they have no chance of getting finance themselves to put in place a packing house or a factory. Um, for many of them, their plots are small enough that they couldn't make it. Um, they couldn't make it worthwhile to buy, say, a harvester or a sure. tractor for themselves. Or even so, refrigeration too. Exactly. Tractor. Also, cold storage is a huge right. problem. Um, Fifty or sixty percent of all the produce grown in Africa rots before it gets to the market. Whoa, fifty um, to sixty percent. It's huge. It's yeah. huge. Um, so when we saw this, we thought, you know, by putting in place a private sector solution, um, providing cold storage, distribution, mechanization, we can actually serve many, many of these farmers. We serve thousands of farmers right now, and we're looking to expand further. Um, and we can help them improve their yields and get a better price for their for their produce. And it's a it's funny. It's kind of a simple solution. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, not that it's, it, you know, there are many challenges, of course, of, of working in a in a developing market, um, and we've had many of our challenges, but that's why we decided to do it, and we really believe that this is the key to um, creating thriving communities in West Africa. I'm, I'm curious, Dawn, as you describe what uh, Aventura Investment does, who are your... Um, you know, competitors or I don't know, co-conspirators, because I don't think you're the only ones thinking about kind of agricultural solutions that will drive impact for right you know, subsistence farmers. Right. So uh, there are uh, not-for-profits who are looking to support smallholder farmers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually come from a non-business perspective and provide training. You know, teach people how to provide, how to write business plans, mm-hmm. how to ask for funding. 
Um, sometimes they'll have a seed distribution program. Um, because they're um, not-for-profits running projects, they're not necessarily sustainable. Mm-hmm. And um, I think and there are also sometimes, sometimes the farmers' cooperatives themselves um, try to provide some of these services to themselves. And I would say that's probably, you can consider that one of our competitors. Hmm. The issue with a cooperative is unless it has a very strong corporate governance and organization, um, there is a big um, risk of um, of corruption. And mm-hmm. if, if no one owns, the, if there's not an owner of the cooperative, sure. then mm-hmm. it's very easy for the manager of the cooperative to say, well, if I run things properly, I don't gain from this, but let me see what I can get for myself. So this is this could is often a problem when um, when there's money put in the hands of the cooperatives to try to organize themselves without the proper corporate governance in place. Um, another competitor would be a large European firm that comes in, uh, builds a packing house, builds cold storage, and then does some um, sub subcontracting to small farmers or hires um, the local community to come and work in the plant mm-hmm. or, or work in growing. And there are programs like that that are successful. There's one, uh, Gondomen du Senegal, in um, the north of Senegal, which is a large packing house um, started up by a, a, a French um, multinational. And they do give one or two rows uh, per person and let someone and let different um, producers come in and grow their <laughs> stock in the, in the greenhouses. Got it. Got it. I mean, one of the things I love about this work is that it is sort of that, like, missing middle Yes. Where you know it's not it's not the farmers and it's not the market it's really that in between and the thing I the way I thought about this was sort of the equipment you can rent from Home Depot like right. it's right. not worth me going out and buying a fence post hole digger that's that exactly we're going to use once a year or once ever you go rent that and this these economies of scale the ability to participate and have that technology right. is not something these smallholder farmers often have access to. Exactly. So I think it's really fascinating. I'm curious how you measure the impact of this work, because I have to imagine it's tremendous. Uh, yes. More efficient processes equals more time so that the kids go to school versus working on the farm and the incomes are higher. And so now they go to preventative care at the doctors, da, 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 da. Right. How, how do you possibly get your arms around all that, that yeah. work? As a, as a small, uh, as a startup, um, we don't have a lot of budget for collecting data, but we focus on two key things. Did the farmers well? Did the farmers' yield go up, mm-hmm. and did the price he got for his produce go up? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, when we uh, harvest rice with a with a co- with a combine harvester, the quality of the rice is better. Ah. the rice dries better. There's less dirt, and mm-hmm. and there's less loss. So he has a bigger yield. Um, when we plow the field properly, uh, the uh, the the weeds are the weeds are killed, and there's better germination. Um, so a, a plowed field could you, give you twice twice the yield of an unplowed field. So we look at um, when we look at the farmers who didn't have the proper plowing and they have maybe 60 sacks of rice per hectare. We come in and plow and they're getting 80 or 90. So it's a huge difference. Yeah, I mean it's just such a dramatic contrast to you know our previous guest was talking about you know biomedical engineering in the United States that's creating artificial leather. Then to think that there are there's such a huge gap right. between the technology we have as yeah. a society and and what is actually put to use. So I think this is 
you know, a super, super, super innovative solution in the middle. What have been some of the challenges that you faced along the way? What have been the big hurdles to to working in this space? I think uh, there are two large hurdles. One is finding financing. Um, there aren't a lot of organizations that are looking to finance mm-hmm. this kind of a project. They're looking for much larger scale projects that are, are have already reached profitability. And the amount of capital that we can put to use is below a lot of their um, minimums. Mm-hmm. So um, we're very fortunate to have OPIC, the U.S. Overseas mm-hmm. Private Investment Corporation, as an investor, and they've been hugely supportive of our initiative. Um, we also have FONSIS, uh, that's the Senegalese government's um, sovereign wealth fund, and they're, they've come in as an investor. And AgDevCo, uh, which is a which is an agriculturally focused initiative out of the UK. Excellent, <laughs> Dawn. I, we could we could certainly talk about this work all day. And mm-hmm. sadly, these these segments go all too fast. If folks want to learn more about Aventure Investment, where mm-hmm. do they go? Our website is www.aventura. Oh, Aventura. Invest. Yeah. A-V-E-N-T-U-R-A. Aventura, like uh, adventure in Spanish. Yeah. Aventurainvest.com. Excellent. That's our website. John, thank you so much for being with us. And I can't believe how quickly time has flown. This it is has, a wrap for has, our show. It has okay, flown Thanks by. very much for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Dawn. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.